Today's episode comes from CDM's bi-monthly disciple-making community, or DMC. The DMC is a closed coaching group focusing on creating, growing, and multiplying disciple-making communities in our own neighborhoods. For more information on becoming a part of this coaching community, email team at contagiousdisciplemaking.com. Write DMC in the subject line. But for now, please enjoy macro and micro planning. Plan today to reach a big vision. Welcome to the CDM Podcast, a production of Contagious Disciple Making. We exist to catalyze movement through coaching, community, and communication. We created this podcast to help everyday Christians to become world-changing disciple makers. All right, so today, what I want to deal with is, you know, this the focus of this group is leadership development, um, which means that I'm going to address topics that may be ahead of where you are uh, in terms of the space that you're focusing on in, in disciple-making movement. I may be addressing topics that are right where you are in terms of disciple-making movements. And then I may be introducing topics to help us understand the larger scope of what's going on and think through the potential problems, both so you can understand your role on this team and so that you can apply those to your local team and your local situation. Maybe introduce things that you haven't thought of or considered uh, at this particular time, just because that's not where you're at. And and that is totally fine. So today, I want to talk about um, macro and micro thinking. This actually came out of a conversation that I just recently had with uh, with Zoe and uh, and uh, and and Dawn, and so uh, I wanted to be able to to introduce some more of that today. So Stephen Covey is known worldwide as a as a writing one of the best books on planning and uh, and and leadership development and thinking. Um, he's written two books that I've read, and both of them I found to be very good. And uh, this one, this, there's a quote that comes out of it. It talks about, it says, begin with the end in mind. So that's the next slide, Rebecca. Begin with the end in mind. Uh, it means to begin each day, task, or project with a clear vision of your desired des- direction and destination. And then continue by flexing your proactive muscles to make things happen. Okay, I'm going to read that again. Begin with the end in mind means to begin each day, task, or project with a clear vision of your desired direction and destination, and then continue by flexing your proactive muscles to make things happen. Uh, We like to say in, in Proverbs, you've heard me quote this proverb in terms of the connection between strategic planning and action and, and the Lord's direction, and, and that comes out in Proverbs 16.9. Proverbs 16.9 says, a man's heart plans his way, but the Lord directs his steps. And so that's that idea that we get up in the morning and we, in, and we intend to obey the scriptures. We apply the principles to our situation, which is called wisdom, by the way, seeking to obey God within the context that he, is, that he has called us. And then we do so looking towards the future of what we're called to do in order to to have this result. And that result we're looking for is your kingdom come, your will be done 
on earth as it is in heaven. That is the ultimate pursuit there. So, but sometimes it, it's hard for us to think about that. So I want to I want to introduce some topics of what that looks like. Uh, how many of you guys have had to take an economics class? Anybody? All right. Anybody taken a personal finance class? Okay. All right. So a lot of people, if you've been through university in the United States, part of a um, a uh, a degree will often involve some kind of personal finance or some kind of economics class. And economics classes are often divided into macro and micro economics. Macroeconomics is the part of economics concerned with the large scale or general economic factors such as interest rates and national productivity. Okay, so that's the big picture, right, of how does all of this work into the nation. But then you've got microeconomics. Microeconomics is the part of economics concerned with single factors and the effects of individual decisions. Now, so that would be, you know, hey, how, how many pierogies is, uh, is Vitaly going to buy and what is his pierogi budget? And does his pierogi budget, you know, impact his ability to have money to pay rent? And obviously, we want him to pay rent first before pierogies, although we understand the individually wrapped heaven that is found in every single pierogi out there. So, uh, so we get this, okay? Uh, but let me ask you this question. Which is more important, macro or microeconomics? Okay, so Vitaly says the second one, the micro. Or no, he, he's, he's showing me three. He's saying both? Is that what you're saying? Okay. All right. He's saying both. So I heard someone say micro. What do you guys, what do you guys think? Josh, Zoe, what do you guys think? I was saying both. Okay, both. Jackie, what do you think? Both. Both. Okay. It seems like the prevalent uh, answer is both. And I agree with you, right? Because you have to budget to buy a home. And buying a home is a good thing. And, but interest rates affect the of how you buy a home and the amount of and how it costs and the amount of money now that you have to relegate to buying a home and that decision of the United States to send aid to countries does ultimately affect the interest rates. We have to realize that this this macro picture affects the micro and guess what the micro affects the macro. Why do you think the government is so okay with massive amounts of spending from Thanksgiving all the way to the end of the year, and they're starting to promote Christmas earlier and earlier in the year? Well, it's because a significant amount of... Because everybody cannot get enough of that Mariah Carey song. That's right. That's right. We want to hear um, all I want... (laughs) you uh over and over and over again as we march the halls of tj maxx trying to find that one great gift that we can afford so uh but so the the whole idea here is that the government is trying to push spending because spending stimulates the economy guess what saving doesn't that's an interesting thought so there's sometimes that the two are at odds with one another that the government wants to spend more but then the individual needs to save more fascinating things that we have to understand the relationship of why do i bring this up well as we work to catalyze disciple making movements 
we must understand how our daily actions get us to our goal. And our goal is not disciple-making movements, by the way. Disciple-making movements helps us get to our goal. Our goal is the kingdom of God fully permeating and transforming families, communities, cities, and nations. Okay? That is our ultimate goal. And we've got to understand that that involves uh, that and that we need to cultivate both micro and macro thinking when it comes to disciple making movements. We have to think about what we do each day. And we have to consider how what we do each day affects the outcome the kingdom of God happening here and now. And we need to be able to think of both, okay? So let's unpack this a little bit and talk about the definitions of micro and macro thinking inside of this. And guys, if there's any formatting issues on the slide, that is not Rebecca's fault. That's my fault. I sent her things last minute, and sometimes between Mac and PC, there are some formatting issues. So this was just a metaphor for how the grander vision needs to sometimes overlap with the smaller vision that we have for our day-to-day lives. Wow. Okay. I, I love it when you make me sound smarter than I am. So uh, I am totally you're back G that's okay. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. That's what teammates, that's what teammates do. All right. So let's talk about macro thinking when it comes to movement, macro thinking, when it comes to disciple making movements, focuses on the big picture and embraces the reality that the scope of what it takes to catalyze disciple-making movements is much bigger than what one person can do with their time. Macro thinking focuses on developing systems, processes, and developing leaders. Okay, that's what the macro thinking of this is. How do we put the system in place to take to deal with this situation here? How do we raise up the leaders? How do they understand their role in the system? Where are they in the developmental process? How are we helping them you know, come into it? How are we helping them become leaders that can put systems in place without us necessarily being present to make that happen, but yet do it in conversation so that we can make sure it can get us to our final goal of disciple-making movements and not lead us into a cul-de-sac that, that will result in frustration and, and restarts, okay? So let me ask you guys this. What are some examples of macro thinking in disciple-making movements? So what are some things that we do differently than others to, uh, to make disciples because of our macro, big-picture thinking? One right. of the things that I've been doing recently is uh, reaching out to a couple churches and trying to see if I can use their Facebook page as a community of uh, prayer requests and cultivating that that uh, uh, prayer mobilization. You know, that, that's a great idea. So these churches already have prayer pages that many times are underutilized. And so trying to to get and build a culture of prayer in the church by helping a pastor do that if you have the time to do that that is a that is a a neat idea to help cultivate that because then you may be able to help people from that all right so i've got josh and zoe they're playing rock paper scissors on who goes first so macro is that macro paul that is macro i like it 
Um, group engagements versus individuals, like you engage groups because you're thinking of the bigger picture, not just the one person. That's exactly right. We're going for engaging an entire group or a silo of people. So, uh, Josh, did you want to say something different or was that yours? It's kind of like I was going to say being strategic with what groups you get involved with, whether it might be a workplace or whether it might be a volunteer group. Um, it, that's strategic for the long term, not the short term of in, engaging with people, longer term for engaging with people, being able to spend time with them. Okay. Okay. Yes. All right. So, in you know, figuring out which silos that you're going to engage, thinking about long term investment in those silos. What are some other examples of that, of that macro thinking? Vitaly. So, we are thinking of multiplication of groups, not of building buildings. There you go. So we, we shy away from, from strategies that result in a building because we understand it takes time and resources away from being able to get to our goal of accomplishing a disciple-making movement. Yes, Re- Rebecca. I actually want to expand just on that for just a sa- second because I think it illustrates something we're all comfortable with because uh, we're all we all like movements and help us to maybe bridge this into things that are not as comfortable or natural for us in the sense of that structuring DMM it, it that people think that structure is anti DMM. That's not true. There is structure. There's just a structure that leads to movement versus one that actually stops movement. So when it, something that I talked with Kevin and Thomas yesterday uh, along with some of our group uh, in our class was the fact that churches or, or excuse me, buildings, the strategy of we're going to build buildings in order to draw people to those buildings to have them learn about God and Jesus. Well, I asked the group, I said, are they, if ever, just think about your church that you currently go to. If everybody just bought, brought one to five people to church, on one Sunday, if everybody did that, would that would your church be able to hold all those people? The answer is no. It couldn't, even if one person even bought one to five. That's, in other words, the basic success of a disciple maker wouldn't be able to hold the people in their buildings. So in other words, the strategy isn't allowing for the reality or the belief that more than a few people will come to know Jesus it, through this particular method. So going out there and saying, let's now plant it, you know, at, at churches within existing silos from those people coming to know Jesus, that allows for there to be a lot of the idea that a lot of people can come to know Jesus. So there we go. We have a system that actually presupposes that only so I only have so many people coming through in my front door. So therefore I'm going to create a whole system by this, the smaller level that I have right now versus with DMM, we're trying to create a system, even though we start small, that can expand to something that is much bigger. And so whether we're talking about prayer mobilization or whether we're talking about engagement or whatever we're talking about, it's it's having to it's the idea that whatever we do can expand to something greater 
And it's not something that can only be within the small amount of thing that we currently have. Does that make sense? Yeah. Okay. So let's let's go ahead. Thank you, Rebecca. Let's move ahead to the next one, the idea of micro-thinking. What is micro-thinking? Micro-thinking, when it comes to disciple-making movements, focuses on what you and your team need to do each day to make disciples who can, in turn, also make disciples. So what would be some examples of just some micro-thinking? Prayer calendar. You making your prayer calendar call is an example of a micro thinking. And then, and then when we, when we ask people to multiply the prayer calendar, you're, that's a micro activity, but you're doing it because you have a macro end in mind, right? So I am asking people to multiply the prayer calendar because I need to raise a significant amount of prayer in order to get to the prayer movement that we need to see movement happen. So, so that's that micro activity that we do a little bit differently so that it can multiply because we have that end in mind. What's another micro activity that we do? Engage the lost. Yes, engage the lost. We have to personally go out and engage the lost or we're not going to see movement happen here locally. What's another example of a micro activity that we do? Discovery Bible study. Yeah, so Discovery Bible Study, starting Discovery Bible Studies Lost. It's something that I do here locally and, and either uh, help the facilitator facilitate or perhaps in some cases facilitate it myself. Getting together for prayer gatherings. Prayer gatherings and bringing people together for prayer gatherings. Absolutely. These are all things that you can do and need to do that then connect and are informed by the ultimate macro vision of movements, right? So that's really, really important there. Okay, so let's apply this thinking here. So let me go into this. We've talked about macro and we've talked about micro activities and what we, what we can do in that, okay? Let me ask you this question. What are the problems that come when we emphasize one side of thinking over the other, as in it is perhaps better than the other. Well, it's kind of like laying out stones so that you could get across the river. Uh, if you're not thinking macro, you're just going to throw stones and you'll be in a river. But if you're if you're just focused on getting to the other side, you won't have a way to get there. Okay, yeah. I mean, so to kind of put what you're saying is, is that um, sometimes we can just do things micro- that aren't informed by a macro vision, and so they're not unified to help us to get from one side of the river to the other. Then if we just focus on the macro, we can actually just have these great conversations about how we're going to cross the river, but we never we never sit there and lay out the ways to get across the river and in a way that would make sense, a logical path across the river. I like that. That's a great metaphor, Riley. Good job. Uh, what else when we think and if we emphasize macro thinking over micro thinking, uh, how how is that? Um, what are some of the problems that come with that? All right, Josh, you might lose um, lose that understanding and personal relationship that's necessary for, you know, and the, the care that's necessary for what we actually do as disciple making. Whereas you make it turn into kind of these projects, these plans, these, you know, paths instead you know, that's really good. That's a good insight, Josh. And that's something where we can fall into the part of seeing people as projects and cogs in a wheel versus people 
who are meeting people and doing people things. You're, that's a great way of doing it. If you're focused more on the macro side of things, you can see people as projects. That can happen on the micro too, but I think it's more of a danger on the macro. Go ahead, Rebecca. And I think it's important what Paul means by emphasizing. In other words, it, it, he, what he just means is that if we um, only think on mainly just the macro side and not thinking about the micro side, you know, sometimes when you're working with people, if they're right now only thinking micro and they're not thinking macro, it may force you to have to talk more macro in order to get people to think more macro. But what the, but I think what Paul is, is trying to say is here is what happens when a person only is obsessed with the idea of what needs to be out there already done as opposed to at, over and at the expense of the micro of what is happening right now. So Rebecca and I balance each other very well on, on this team. And one of the ways that Rebecca balances me um, because she does this perhaps a little bit more naturally than I do is I will come up with a big idea or a big vision. And I'm not saying she doesn't come up with them as well, but when I come up with a big vision or idea, she'll come to me and say, okay, what does that mean for Jackie? Or what does that mean for Zoe? Or what does that mean for Ashley or Matt or Riley or Tim? So she actually takes the idea, which may be a macro level idea, a big picture idea, and actually says, all right, how do we make this? What does that mean for their micro? And how does the micro activity of what they do every day fit into what you're saying? And so if you don't have someone like Rebecca on your team, making those, you know, bringing those things up, then often they can be disconnected and you can come up with a big idea that then you hand to the people on the field and you expect them to figure out the ways to apply it, which can create a lot of stress. And we'll talk more about that in a little bit. Okay, moving on to the next slide. I want you to consider where you are in your disciple making process. Based upon where you are in that 10-year timeline and the different areas that we talk about, the phases along that timeline, is your time and energy more focused on macro thinking or micro thinking? I say more focused because we always need to have that tension of the two and know where we're going, but maybe where we are in the timeline requires more emphasis on one over the other. I've been thinking more macro. Okay. Why have you been thinking more macro lately? Um, I would say that it helps me while I'm failing forward to have the end goal in mind. Okay. So he's really walking in and trying to keep that end goal in his face while he's engaging a new environment so he doesn't sit there and do some micro things that might keep him from getting there or divert his time away from it. I like that idea. Rebecca? You know, I, I think what, what's helpful in this question is to realize that in our planning, we have to be able to look at the macro and in order to decide some of the micro in what we're doing in that moment. But what is what we're building is my micro at that point. So at the beginning, it doesn't. Well, what a lot of people uh, get nervous about doing when they see this big goal is they think they have to get there like 
within the next few months. And so what they do is that their, their actions can be frenetic or random or shortcut in order to get there as quickly as possible. And so movement is all about being able to have the strategy in the eye on the big thing while fully embracing the micro that you're doing at that moment. It's like, hey, I don't have, I'm not, I'm not on year, I'm not on the, the huge level right now. But so this is what I have right now. This is, so then what can I fully embrace at this particular time in order to be get out there? Anybody remember the, the, the counterintuitive that says focus on the few in order to reach the many? Do you remember that? So the idea is, is that we deeply invest in what we are doing, that the micro of what we're doing now in such a way that will lead to the big one, so to the big vision. And so it is the ability to think in both realms that allows us to be able to get us to where we are. So to your point, Riley, you're keeping that, that goal in front of you because what you are doing today needs to set you up for that time. But however, we don't have to be all nervous and frantic because we're not there already. And so we can fully learn the lessons and the things that are inside of our, our area of growth at this time. Yeah. So I like exactly that brings a, a good level of clarification to this. Let me add something to that. When I'm on the front end of this timeline, I am the macro is my goal and I'm, and I'm, and it's informing my micro behavior and, and my emphasis is on what I'm doing from day to day to get me to that end. Okay. So I'm starting here looking there when I'm on the other, as I move to the other side of this timeline and I'm now looking back here, my, my thinking is on how do I put the systems in place in the state, uh, in, in uh, San Antonio to reach all peoples. And I'm thinking, how am I going to reach, you know, help Matt and, and, uh, and Becky reach the school systems. So it's more macro thinking, but it has to look down to, okay, well then what do Matt and Becky have to do each day? And what does Alita have to do each day in order to engage that? So Matt and Becky are like, I've got to do this to get to there. And I'm like, I'm here and I'm looking at what needs to be done from this lens to begin building and bringing it here. If I don't consider Matt and Becky, then all of a sudden, all of my thoughts and plans are disconnected from what they have to do each day. But if they don't consider the, the big picture of movement, the macro thinking, then all of their activities may be disconnected from things that will actually get them where they want to go. And so if you're on the front end of this timeline, you're looking this way towards movement. If you're on the other side of the timeline, you're looking back this way and you have to do, and that was the emphasis of this, is you have to do both. And so some of us are in a position now where we're really focused more on what we're doing each and every day, but doing it in light of movement. And then there are those like Rebecca and I, and maybe even Tim and some others that are thinking, okay, how do we do from the big picture of what needs to be in place to see movement, how am I helping Musa 
And what is Musa doing that's going to get us to here? Or how am I helping the guys in my, in my team uh, be able to get us to here? Okay, so it's an interesting way of looking at it. Don, I see that hand. Go ahead and ask your question. Uh, I have a statement, rather. Uh, what I see is uh, Paul's missionary, three missionary journeys, where he had a macro plan to visit key cities uh, in uh, port cities and commerce cities and uh, cities of power, prestige, and, and he would go out. That was a macro plan. Uh, a picture to uh, go to the Gentiles and visit the synagogues that they'd receive them at the river and all that kind of stuff. The micro thing was his teaching and his daily engagement of people in Berea, Thessalonica, and wherever he was tra- traveling. But he, he, the big picture he always had in mind was to plant churches, but he couldn't plant churches until he did the micro of engaging individual people in the public square. You know, that is a great insight. I also want to point to one of the things that Paul did that was a macro thing. When you read his epistles, he'll say, those of you in this church over here, make sure they get the letter I sent to you and you also read the letter I sent to them. What's he doing? He's building community. When this person comes through, make sure and treat them this way because I've told them about you. Don't let me down. He's he's building that community of the believers through something that's micro. He's like, I want you to take care of this person because I know if this person sleeps on your couch, you're going to feel deeper connected to that city right over there and the identity of being a follower of Christ. So the micro affects the macro and things like that. So let me ask you this question. Thank you, Rebecca, for keeping me on time. Uh, that uh, what happens if you shift your focus, time, and energy from micro to ma- macro activities too early in the process? You'll skip important steps. You'll skip some important steps. That's right. That's one of them. What's some other? You can scare people away. You can scare people away because you're taught you're you know you're you're we, we talk about this all the time. Don't sell people necessarily on DMM. Instead, get them focused on disciple making because they need to focus because you understand that the vision of DMM may be too big for them and they need to start with disciple making, but then help them understand where that can go in terms that they can get. Uh, here's one. So, and this I see on a regular basis. Sometimes we see people, you know, they're focused on the micro when they get started and they have some, they have success. So they start discovery Bible studies. Okay. Then other people who see that and see that success say, come, man, you need to come and you need to teach us what you're doing to get those to those DBSs. So now it pulls them, this, this teach, now it pulls them into this space where they're helping people. And once or twice, that doesn't hurt, right? But what we've seen is it's now they continually pull, and now that person who had some initial momentum and in seeing discovery Bible studies and engagement and prayer multiplication on the micro level locally is now being pulled into a macro activity that now disrupts the time that they had to invest in success on the micro level. So where we've seen that happen is then we see groups not being multiplying. 
because the time is shifting from a mic. They're still at that phase where they need to see multiplication and it can't perpetuate without their involvement. But now they're being, their attention and time is being pushed into training and conversations on forums and being the question person. And so now they divert that time and energy to here and we watch this slow down and sometimes stop altogether. And so we have to be really careful. And then some of, and then there are times when people, um, sorry, go ahead, Rebecca. I know you had a point that you're wanting yeah, to make. I wanted to add to that. So essentially people don't continue to learn the lessons that they need to learn within the level that they have. So if we want to accelerate to be somewhere that we don't, we aren't currently, we don't get to learn all the lessons that we learn as we're walking this out. So like, for instance, in the, in the, in the situation where that the scenario that Paul is, is painting, um, there's the skill of starting literally getting people into the room to read the Bible. Okay. And then there's actually the skill of seeing those groups multiply. And then there's the skill of seeing it spread throughout a community to actually it forms a church rather than just a bunch of extracted people who end up just not forming a church within themselves. And so what happens oftentimes is people might initially get some upfront understanding on the the basic beginning things, but they don't know how it all fits together to actually form a church. I get questions often that say things like, well, with existing churches that are that are out there, how can we possibly be able to form new churches? Because they'll all just go to the other churches. Well, again, that's the lack of understanding of how movement works and how that once you actually affect a community to where they're coming to know Christ, the more natural thing is for them to, to form a church among themselves than for them to all split up and disperse to various different churches. And they also, if it's a truly entire community, it's going to be difficult for them to descend upon one existing church. Because again, we just said if, you know, most of our churches are not big enough for significant additions. And so, you know, the reality is, is that if we are actually, that what happens is, is that people do a lot of disciple making on the small level. Oh, I had a one-on-one DBS. I had one, I have three people doing DBS and it's not getting out to anybody else. It's not drawing anybody else into their, their thing. And so it's like, okay, you've got two or three people. Yeah. There's going to be a draw that, that have been extracted from their communities. Okay. Well, that's why you're having a lot of these problems. So the idea is, is that again, when we start cutting off our, our growth points too early, we're not getting the full understanding of how movement works to be able to tell people even at the beginning how to do it that actually leads to movement. So yeah. we end up having a lot of people running around telling people how to do DMM in an extraction way because even they themselves have never actually seen or understand how it doesn't end up in extraction. All right, Don, and not too long because I've got to I've got to jump to this the rest of the thing. So, what what is your your question or comment? Well, uh, uh, yeah, I I don't have all the skill sets to fully engage in DMM, and I tell you that 
uh, I'm learning a lot from everyone's input. But I, I, one thing I think on the micro levels, people don't like to be manipulated. And if you go too fast, then you're going to get in trouble. You have to build the, uh, going back to basics, relationships and, uh, and earn the right to have uh, uh, a spiritual conversation. And uh, you don't want to alienate people all the, all the, along the way by uh, uh, forcing them into a mold that they're not ready to accept or that's uh, compatible with their silo. You know, that's a, that's a neat, uh, an, an interesting thing that you brought up. And I think I'm going to be dealing with that here in a few slides. Um, I think that that's a really, really astute insight. Uh, and, and I think it blends well with what Riley said earlier about not treating people like projects where it's like, yes. you know, when we treat people like projects, we, we try to manipulate them rather than actually disciple them. Right. So let's, let's consider another question. Um, when you consider the contagious disciple making global team, and that's all of you plus some people who weren't able to make it here today, um, which roles, think about all of us, require a greater emphasis on macro thinking and which roles require a greater emphasis on micro thinking? Riley, take a stab at it, my friend. Could you ask that in a slightly different way? Okay. Um so think of the disciple making the the contagious disciple making team as a whole. We are we are building a global team of people focused on disciple making. So that includes Rebecca, myself, you know, Don, Riley, Matt, Ashley. I mean, all of these things. And we play. We're at different phases of the of that journey. Because if you go back to that time, you look at the timeline. Say, where are you on the timeline? What role? Where is your thinking primarily focused at? What is, you know, when you look at all of us and where we are on that, on that process, what roles or what people do you feel fit in different roles? And which do those roles require us to have one, emphasize one level of thinking over another? Well, we're all praying for one another on a, on a platform that's accessible to people all over the world. Okay. Those stories with one another. Okay, so that's a macro thing. We're building the team, yeah. And I guess for people like you and Beck, um, you know where each person's at. So as like a big picture, you're knowing that this person needs to focus on prayer mobilization. This person needs to focus on. And so, I don't know, the macro is kind of dictating the micro. So I think that that's, a, that's heading in the right direction. So if you look at, the, at Rebecca and myself, our roles function from the macro perspective to the micro. We're going, this is the big picture. And then we're trying to help each person do what they need to do locally to bring them towards that big picture. And sometimes we ask people to do things that fit the big picture that may be a little different from, from the way that they might do them before because we have a bigger understanding and more experience from macro down to micro, okay? Now, some of you on a, on a smaller level might play this locally. So, example, Matt and Becky and then Ashley and Stephen so, and, and even Tim here. You're sitting there thinking, I want to engage the school. So, that forces you into a macro role. You still have to do the micro things, right? But you're thinking when you're dealing with your team, you're trying to get them to come to the macro place. Okay? And that's hard, hard work. 
And then, but you're also in this dy- in this dynamic where you also got to do the things because you're still early on in the process. And so that does create some stress and tension, right? Is that locally you're doing that as well, what Rebecca and I are doing on a global scale. And it's important to know those perspectives and where you're sitting at that time because of the next, th- the next slide here. Um, what are the potential tensions in com- that arise in communication and accountability between team members whose roles emphasize one side of thinking or another, whose place on the timeline has them thinking primarily micro and then whose place on, the, on that timeline has them thinking primarily macro. What's the tension there as they relate to one another as a team? You'll get a lot of questions. Why am I doing it? Why do you want me to do that? Why do you let it? And, uh, and unless the micro can kind of see the macro, uh, maybe they don't want to uh, follow it or dig in because they don't see it clearly. They don't see it as the right thing to do. Yeah, so that requires both an openness to embrace the macro side of things on the person who's primarily functioning in a micro level, and then it requires a necessity on those functioning from the macro level to continually cast the vision of why we're doing what we're doing, which then, I'm going to say, runs the risk of the people from micro saying, you've already said that, why are you saying it again? I've already heard the vision a thousand times, why do I need to hear it again? You say, well, we're not seeing the movement from here and understanding that it's leading to here. We're seeing you do things that are going to take you away from here. So we need to help you understand the vision again at the risk of sounding repetitious. What are some, so that's kind of what I'm getting at. What are some other things that you might see there? Yeah, Ashley. Um, I think a lot of people might feel intimidated. Like we have people in our small group that they've literally said like, I think God just wants me to do my part in my little corner. And, and I think it's a little, from a place of fear, maybe of like, that's just too big. Like, I don't think that God can really, I think someone said that to me once, like, I don't think God can really do all of that. So it's that intimidation. Right. So if the, if the person coming from the macro to the micro is not careful in helping them understand just the place where they are right now and then gives them too much at the time, it can cause a feeling of overwhelmingness or intimidation. And then they, they'll freeze and not take a step forward or they'll flee. All right, Rebecca. And really to that point, Ashley, when people are, are saying those kind of things, a great way to sit there and, and come back at that is not everybody has to be a macro strategist in order to be a part of movement, in order to be a part of a team. And so the the thing would be just to say that that's why you have a team and that's why you're not doing this alone. And this is why you can play your role and do things that can actually serve a larger purpose. And this is, again, why I really emphasize that as we're even inviting people to something, that even though it's a big vision to say, you're invited to a team who's doing it together and we're building that team. And we'll start on the micro and work to the macro in what we do. And, you know, so I think, again, it's allowing the people who are paralyzed by the uh, by the idea of the big because they think I can't do all that 
and realize that, hey, we're talking about mobilizing the body of Christ to work together on this. And so that's how we can be able to see large things. And I'm just also going to quote one verse where it says, Jesus says, greater things that you will do than I have done. Jesus did some pretty cool big things. And so, (laughs) including investing in at least 12, if not more, and really more people who went out and changed the world. But, you know, whatever. So, uh, (laughs) you know, there's, there's all those encouragements as well. Sorry, Riley, go ahead. Yeah, Riley, go ahead. No, that's good, Rebecca. Thank you. Ashley's comment in the context of this question about the the tensions and stuff really brought to my mind the verse about being the body and being tied in. Like, Ashley's like, there's these people who just kind of want to be in the corner, but it's kind of like, as a macro thinker, it's like, actually, if you could position yourself to be mobilizing prayer and make that your little corner, you're actually going to tie into these other parts of the body and we can see this this body of Christ moving forward, this kingdom advancing. I love how you just said that because that shows the beauty of macro thinking at its best. So when I'm sitting there saying, let's go to a retirement home and ask them to adopt a school or adopt a prison and begin to pray, those men and women often in retirement homes feel like they're just coasting the rest of their life, that they have no role to play and everything. And you're now showing them something that they can do within the constraints that their bodies have and their time left on this earth that can play a larger role in what God is doing worldwide. And and that's a beautiful thing. So macro thinking at its best helps everyone find their place in order to work towards that vision. Macro thinking at its worst you know, forgets to the micro and helping people get in and find their place and find fulfillment in what is going on there. So, I mean, those are, those are some things. So moving on to leadership development. Hey family, Paul here. I want to take a quick moment and share something you may not know. CDM is a nonprofit ministry. That means everything we do is supported by individuals just like you. This year has been pretty busy with launching the Freedom Initiative and the Next Generation Project, as well as coaching people and training people to be disciple makers in their own spaces. We haven't been able to spend a ton of time fundraising, and we are facing a budget shortfall. We need friends like you who would commit to being a monthly supporter of all the wonderful things we do here at CDM. We're looking for 1,000 of our listeners to commit to giving $45 per month. If you give more or less, that's great. We just want to keep serving God by serving you and equipping the body of Christ to make disciples and start movements. Just head on over right now to ContagiousDiscipleMaking.com to donate, or you can do it right through our app. Thanks for listening, and thanks for praying, and thanks for giving. So moving on to leadership development. Some of you guys may have been familiar with a a book called John Maxwell's Five Levels of Leadership. Um, I think that it's a a book that has some things to, some insights to give us towards movement. Not all of it applies, but some of it does. And he talks about that, like the lowest level of leadership uh, is, is that positional leadership, that people do what you tell them to do because they have to. Most of us in this context don't lead from a positional place. We just don't. Uh, pastors might, but even then it's tenuous at best, unless it's someone on their staff. 
that they are paying and saying, you do this because I pay you. And if you don't do it, then you run the risk of losing your job. Okay. We don't function mostly there. What we function next in is that people follow you because they want to. So as we're looking at this, if we're thinking about the picture, what I like to listen for is when people say, what you just said fulfills a longing in my heart or is something I've been praying about for a long time. I want to be a part of that. So that's when people get on the team because they're seeing that you're heading in a direction that they want to go, okay, that they that they need to go. And so that's part of this, right, is that idea what Riley even just said, that finding those individual people and helping them find their place in the bus and them going, I see now that what God has gifted me and called me to do can fulfill a larger picture and I can be a part of this thing and it would be awesome, okay? But we can't stop. The next level is production. People follow you because of what you've done for the organization. Now, how does that translate? People follow you because you've demonstrated that you have experience in engaging the lost and mobilizing prayer and seeing groups and baptizing people. And they see how what they've done plays into that or directly impacts that. They may have become, uh, you know, and all of that. And so they're following you because they're like, man, I want to be a part of what Matt's doing because I'm seeing this happen here. I want to be a part of Ashley. I want to be part of what Jolene's doing because I'm seeing these things happen there. I'm going to follow them because they've demonstrated a level of success that I want in my life. So once again, if you're not doing the micro, you don't get to that place where people start following you like that. Okay, so they follow you because they see you have that and they'll follow you there. But then the next one is people follow you because what you've done for them. I have helped you become successful in doing the micro and you feel fulfilled. And now they're following you because man, you know, Matt, he helped me do what God put on my heart. Otherwise I was just foundering, you know, I've had people come to me and they say, you know, Paul, you're more pastoral to me and have done more to equip me than my pastor has. And I'm not saying anything against their pastor and neither were they, they were just talking, they were expressing that reality of I'm following you because you've helped me do what call uh, God has called me to do. And finally, you've got the pinnacle. People follow you because of who you are and what you represent. How many of you guys, if my dad came in and was saying, I'm going to have all of you on my team, you would follow him immediately? All of you. Every single person is like, I would be on that ship, okay? Why? Because of who he is and what he represents, you're like, I want to be around that man and do what he says. Okay? And, and that even goes with Paul, with Rebecca and myself. You come in and you follow because of who we are and what we represent. And, and you're like, if I could tie my, my ship to that one, we can go a lot further. Okay? So I want to point that out, that this impacts, this micro and macro thinking impacts leadership development. If you're not doing the micro things on the lower side of this pyramid, you'll never get to the top side of the pyramid. And if you get into a cul-de-sac of being pulled away from doing the micro things by other, maybe other organizations or people who are like, come and train us, teach us what it is, and now you don't have the time available to do the other, 
then you won't be able to make that thing and have the impact that you need to have and the and the the reputation and the um, the influence you need to have to move things on. All right, big topic. We're going to be dividing this up as we go forward into other things um, and everything. Thank you for diving in. Some of you may be walking away going, this is a lot of good things to think about. Some of you may be walking away going, my head is now spinning, and I'm not going to be able to take my needed nap this afternoon. So, uh, so, But I want to thank you so much for being here. Rebecca, you have some things that you want to add. Yeah, I, I had some things. So, um, But because of time running short, I'm going to edit it significantly. Um, to, um, something simple. So guys, in light of what we've been talking about today, um, I, you know, two quick things. One is to remember that, um, disciple making movement mobilization is different than the typical traditional mobilization that we see in our, you know, that is expressed in the, in the recent past. So, you know, um, a lot of traditional mobilization is just get the information out there. Just have a bunch of initial trainings to people. Let's just, you know, go around and get everybody, you know, tell everybody about it and hope that they do it. And that doesn't actually create a movement. It creates just a dispersion and availability of information. And so movement really happens when there are people who disciple others, who disciple others, who disciple others, and in such a way in which everybody is, again, working together in order to be able to see this overall thing happen, that they are practical and real ways that facilitates this kind of growth and passing off to other people. And so... This is why, so one of the things we're doing in CDM is to take these principles and not to say them for disciple making movement, but to apply them to both mobilizing Christians and to doing prayer movement and seeking prayer movement. And so having said that, and we talked a bit about that in our class this past time that those of you are taking our class right now, but what I want to say is um, Paul and I, in CDM want to build a a global macro body of Christ who is moving together practically in order to be able to to accomplish the goals both and that we serve one another in prayer and in disciple making and things like that in order to move forward together this is why that even when we're helping you set up some local things. We're wanting you to have a global vision of all of us working together. Now, Riley said earlier about the idea of the body of Christ, how we're supposed to be all working together in order to be able to do what we're supposed to do, to look at 1 Corinthians 12, Romans 12, a lot of, and all these other places where it warns about divisions, where it says we're supposed to work together in order to be able to do this and more than just patting each other back and say, I'm so glad you're doing what you're doing. It's we're supposed to be actively working together. And so what, what Paul and I are trying to do is develop real partnerships. So like for instance, in the freedom initiative, we of course are trying to build some local area and regional things, but we're also trying to build it as a national and global thing where we're all practically helping each other. 
and things like the Prayer with Prisoners Project and the and, and also the phone mentoring is going to be two very plain ways in which we can help each other be able to to help at this global and national effort to be able to reach prisoners through this way. And also, it's going to serve the grander goal of just seeing movements anywhere. I want Tim to feel like he's part of the Freedom Initiative because he's praying with and for people who are going on the inside and prisoners on the inside, and they're praying with and for him as he is working in in Guinea. So we're supposed to be helping each other be able to accomplish this goal. And it's not just in theory. It's not just a pat on the back. It's more than just a informational packet that we send each other to say, by the way, if you have a moment, please pray for these things. It's a real partnership of re- that's built on relationship and ongoing action done for each other. So having said that, not this past time, but the time before that, we had a prayer meeting in which we're we're inviting people to come in to, to do something like, for instance, for the Freedom Initiative. My goal in that is not to say only people who are going into prison show up and pray for this particular thing. It's for us to recognize that all of us are in this project together because we're all praying for one another. And ultimately, it serves the grander goal of us seeing movements happen wherever we are. So I want you guys to think already, what uh, to know already how you can be a part of that. First off, on our CDM prayer page, we have started posting prisoner requests from the inside. You and your friends can go onto this page and in the comments, write prayers, which we will take and send back to the prisoners. Also, there is a post that is pinned to the top, and it will be every week, that says, put your current prayer requests here. And we will take those from the comments and send them again to the prisoners. And this, and then what, it'll, it'll be this coming in and out type of thing. They send out their prayer requests to us. We post them. We send them back. It'll be this back and forth process. Additionally, when you come into the prayer meeting that we have each month, you and your friends come. We'll give an opportunity for them, for people to give a 30 second. This is what I need prayer for right now for Great Commission. And we can edit that and put it as a part of our prayer podcast, which they can hear inside the prison. And some of you can be, a, and all of you are welcome, but some of you can be a part of the prayer podcast where we actually pray on a recording for the th- people on the inside. And on the inside, we'll be working with them to write prayers and to pray together for people on the outside, as well as their own areas. So this will be growing in all the different ways we practically work together. But understand you are a part of something bigger, you and the other people that you invite to do this when you're a part of this process. It looks micro to you. It looks like I'm just going onto this little prayer page and I'm praying with this, you know, asking me to type it. I don't see it. Well, it's all a part of the big stream of how we're trying to have this flow together. And it's supposed to serve not just prisoners, but prisoners in their communities 
and our cities and our nation and the world as we do this together. Because we're building a community that's praying all together for everything that helps us forward the kingdom and seeking movement in his kingdom where we are. Does that make sense at all? Okay. And so I, I, I want you to understand that one of the things I'm really developing in is try to help our people in CDM understand that while we're here to help you locally do what you're doing, we're also here to call people to build this community together with us because it will serve so many people in the kingdom to go farther than they normally would have if everybody was just out for themselves. If all we were was just an information pusher to individuals who are trying to go do their own thing, that wouldn't be as great of a service as we are a community that can support people in there and be a part of something bigger and all of us can accomplish it together. That's so much more that serves people. But in DMM, a lot of, or at least the DMM general community, it isn't always understood or embraced. They want to embrace an everybody out for themselves mentality. They don't say it that way. They say, I'm, I'm, we're wanting decentralized leadership. And what, the, and what they basically in the practicality, what that means, I want to go do my own thing. <laughs> and it's, uh, and I want to build my own thing. And it's like, well, we're here to all do this together. So I welcome you to continue to build along with us a platform and a community and a system where all of us can accomplish our goals together to seek the kingdom. That's great. Thank you, Rebecca. And this is an example of that, you know, doing something that we're like, okay, this is a micro thing. I've just got to pray for a few things, but it fits into a bigger picture of us trying to create a community, a body of Christ praying for one another and mobilizing more prayer. Uh, Because now like Jackie can sit there and express a prayer, a prayer request. And now she has access to all of these prisoners that can begin praying for that prayer request and then they know in turn that Jackie and her extended network are now praying for them as well. And so it becomes this beautiful body of Christ where we're now praying with more people than any one of us by ourselves would have relationships with. Uh, getting beyond our relational limits into what a network of relationships can provide. All right, guys, I'm going to go ahead and let you go there. I've got a house guest I've got to go make breakfast for before my next thing. It is so good to spend this time with you today. Um, send me your feedback on what we what we did today. Any questions, thoughts, comments that come up, copy Rebecca and I on that, and we'd love to help you move forward. Until next time, go and make disciples. What are you waiting for? Jackie, get out there. Canada needs your help. All right, see you guys. Bye, DJ. Thanks for listening to the CDM podcast and supporting us on Patreon. For coaching or other resources, connect with us at ContagiousDiscipleMaking.com or download the Contagious Disciple Making app. Join us in the journey of becoming world-changing disciple makers.